Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Aquaphoenix Scientific. Aquaphoenix, a manufacturer of test kits, reagents, and chemical feed and control equipment. Additionally, they are a distributor of thousands of products for top industry brands for the industrial water treatment market, making them the true one source for literally anything you might need. Folks, how many purchase orders do you need to write in order to get everything you need for your field test kit? Well, with Aquaphoenix, that is just one call to them, one purchase order, one shipment, and you can have everything you need from all the different manufacturers. Give the fine folks at Aquaphoenix a call today or visit them by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash APS. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore. I get to host this amazing podcast And I wonder, do you ever do this? And what I'm talking about as this is sometimes I'll look back on a date in history to see what happened. And that's actually what I did today. So today is June 3rd, and I look back in history and I found that in 1965, astronaut Ed White was the first person to walk in space. That was on the Gemini 4. And folks, I am a huge space program fan. It has just fascinated me since I was a little boy. I remember reading about it. I remember going to different camps around space. I have just been fascinated with that. In fact, I've been to some of the different museums that we have around the South to visit some of the rocket museums and things that we have. It is just amazing of the little amount of technology that we had back in the 60s and what we were able to produce. And that got me thinking around some of the things that I do on a regular basis I really utilize some of the things that got the space program going as motivation. Now, here's what I mean from that. I am a planner, and I truly believe that everybody needs goals, but they need to plan around those goals. And by making sure they're keeping track of that plan to get that goal done, you feel like you are accomplishing what you need to accomplish. And you're constantly taking input of all the things that are around you to make sure that you're working on the most important things. This was something that was taught to me at a very early age. And it's one of the reasons that I think I have been successful in endeavors that I have gone after in my life. And it's also what keeps them very fun and rejuvenating because I know that I'm making progress. One of the things that I have the privilege of doing is I get to coach people on how to do this very thing. And it has come up before because it's one of my favorite mission statements, one of my favorite goal declarations on how you do goal planning. So think about it. Back in 1962, JFK gave a speech at Rice Stadium, and he declared that we were going to the moon. I think it is one of the best written speeches ever. 
I think it has everything in it that somebody needs when they are declaring that they are going to get something done. And it motivates not only the person that's saying it, but everybody who hears it. Here's what JFK said back in September 12, 1962. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win, and the others too. Just think about all the meat that is in that declaration. If you were to go through the SMART acronym that a lot of us do when we go through goal planning, we talk about SMART being specific, measured, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Every single one of those aspects are right there in that declaration. I had no idea I was going to talk about this on today's show, but when I started looking to see what was happening back on other June 3rds, I was inspired to share this with you, and I'm sure glad I did because this is a statement that has really inspired me. And if you're trying to rally people around a specific goal, I know a lot of us are in charge of teams, and we're trying to get our teams to come together and to do something that's very important for the team. If we can rally them in a way, if we can unite them in their actions with a statement, just like JFK did back on September 12th, 1962. Just imagine when we get everybody rowing in the same direction and everybody really wants to row that direction. Just amazing things happen. I'll finish this section up by just quoting Benjamin Franklin, failing to plan is planning to fail. So just knowing what you want to do, well, that's a dream. But if you can take action and then put tactics to that action, you will start getting things done. When you start listening to the world around you, making sure that you know what the world is trying to teach you, that all your relationships are being taken care of properly, and now you're planning with that in mind. It is just amazing how you will feel when you start accomplishing your goals. I'll tell you how I feel right now. I am just so incredibly humbled. I just received notice that we are within the top 100 podcasts in Italy. Nation, I have no idea how that happened. We did not market after that, but I think it really goes to show you it doesn't matter where you live, we are all united because of what we do. We are a community of industrial water treaters that we all know we are a member of the Scaling Up Nation. And Nation, I want to thank all the listeners in Italy for listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. I am just so incredibly excited and humbled that this message is reaching so far and so wide. And again, it's doing that because we all get it. We are all industrial water treaters. Speaking of some things that industrial water treaters should know, 
go ahead and get your calendars out. And if you don't have them out, don't worry. We will have all of this on our show notes page. Of course, our friends over at ASHRAE are having their annual conference June 25th through 29th in Toronto, Canada. This is a conference that if you have not attended, it is a very large scale conference and just so many people attend. It's gonna be interesting to have it in Canada. We have a couple of conferences in Canada this year. So if you don't have a passport ready to go, you wanna make sure that you've got that ready to go. Again, all the information on the ASHRAE conference will be on our show notes page. Another conference that will be in Canada, this will be in Vancouver, Canada, September 21st through 24th. That's the Association of Water Technologies annual conference. We're going to be talking a lot about that today, so stay tuned and you'll get a lot of your questions answered. So many things that you want to make sure you have on your calendar, but one I want to make sure that you are ready to celebrate is October 3rd through 7th. That is Industrial Water Week. It's an entire week just for us, the industrial water treater, and we wanna make sure that we celebrate it because we have the best job ever. Well, Nation, one of my favorite things to do is to ask people how they got started in our industry. How did they get to where they are now from where they started? So we're gonna get straight into our interview where we're gonna do that very thing. My lab partner today is Matt Jensen, certified water technologist, works with Global Water, and is the current Association of Water Technologies president. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Trace. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. We've got so much ground to cover today. I don't even know where to start. Um, so why, why don't we start, if you don't mind, if there's somebody out there in the Scaling Up Nation that does not know who Matt Jensen is, who is Matt Jensen? Well, my name is Matt Jensen. Um, I work for Global Water Technology, and uh, I live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I've lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin my entire life. I left home for, for a little while. I moved to uh, Milwaukee for a little bit, and then I actually moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, and that's actually where... Uh, where I kind of started my water treatment career, and the job that I that I took in in St. Paul was actually back in Green Bay, which brought me back home, which was pretty cool. But yeah, I've um, married to my wife for almost seventeen years. We got two two kids, Sawyer and Will, and uh, we are a hockey family by winter, and a fishing and hiking and outdoor family by summer. A little golf thrown in there once in a while, and love what I do. Great industry to be a part of. Couldn't imagine doing anything other than water treatment. And uh, yeah, it's just really cool to be a part of this. So, Speaking of fishing, recently bought a new boat. Congratulations on that. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. Yeah, I definitely wanted to uh, make sure that we had an upgrade because now with the dog, we, our old boat got a little small. The dog was sitting on our lap, so we were trying to fish. So I had to expand it a little bit. But yeah, it was cool. It was all good stuff much bigger boat, goes a little bit faster. We can hang out on the water a little bit longer. And you mentioned hockey. You're actually coaching your kids' teams. I do. I coach both my son, Will. He played on the Pee Wee team this year. They won the state championship, which was really exciting. Fantastic. 
Yeah, first time our association uh, won a state championship in a while, so that was pretty cool. And then my daughter, Sawyer, she's nine. She's a mite, uh, moving on to squirts this year, and she's super excited to start playing full ice hockey. And it's funny because uh, my son is kind of a passive hockey player, and my my daughter, who's only been playing for a year, is real aggressive. So I know who I'm going to be seeing in the penalty box a lot between the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> So a question I love to ask my guests, because everybody's answer is different. How did you get into water treatment? So water treatment, when I was in college, I actually got hired the summer between my junior and senior year to work for Northland Cranberries in their lab. And I was really excited about this internship. It was going to be an opportunity to kind of see what the real world and chemistry was. And shortly after I accepted that job, my counselor, my chemistry counselor actually said, Hey, I've got a guy that works for Betts Dearborn that used, that's a alumni here and he's hiring for a summer internship. And then he said, I'd like you to interview for the job. So I interviewed and they offered me the job and I thought, wow, this is way cooler than sitting in the lab for a summer. So I ended up calling, calling the cranberry place and saying, sorry, I uh, took a different job and ended up going to work for Betts Dearborn for a summer. And it was, it was awesome. I loved everything about it. And, uh, just really started my passion for this industry, why I'm still doing it today. Do you ever wish you made another choice? No, honestly not. I uh, After college, I, I tried to get a water treatment job and the water treatment industry wasn't hiring a ton at that point, at least in my area, and ended up going to work for a commodity chemistry company for a little while. And that was fun, but I always wanted to get back into water treatment. And one day I threw my resume out there and I said I had water treatment experience. And a couple of days later, I got a call from, from Garrett Callahan and ended up going to work for them. And now you're at Global. What's your day-to-day like there? Uh, day-to-day at Global, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I've actually, you know, I, I came to Global because of a product line, filming amine product line that they were picking up and I wanted to be a part of it. It's something I had worked on in the past and got the opportunity to come work here partially because of that. And as I was doing that, there was an opportunity to uh, start a new position within Global as a regional leader and actually oversee a team of team of uh, water treatment experts and get out in the field again and help people, you know, reach goals and help with technical advice. And just it's been it's been really cool. So I, you know, my day to day is supporting my team, um, helping with sales, helping with technical stuff, doing uh, a lot of quotes, a lot of stuff like that, you know, a lot of the office stuff, but it's, it's been really cool. And I, I love everything about it. What's one of your favorite things about being a water treater? Being in different places all the time. Anytime anybody ever asked me that, I always say that it's, you know, when we, when we talk to people about hiring them and I explain the job, I say, you know, the, one of the best parts about this job is the fact that you get to go to different places all the time. And I always laugh, you know, there was days where I'd start out at a hospital and then end up at a rendering plant. And <laughs> you, know, you talk about one extreme to the next and all the different processes you get to see, you get to see behind the scenes and so many different things, how things are made, you know, watching engines being made to cheese being made to, you know, what keeps and cools a hospital. And just, there's just so many different things. You get to see so many different things. You get to experience so many different things. It's yeah. I could never see myself doing anything else. When I first started in water treatment, my father had a rendering plant and he quickly passed it over to me. 
And I remember I used to have to take a change of clothes and shower at a local <laughs> truck stop because yeah. that smell just penetrates everything. My best, my, my favorite story about the rendering plant is we had a dog um, and I would come home from the rendering plant and she would literally attack me because she thought I was a dog treat. <laughs> it just smelled like, you know, cooked meat. This is the first time I ever bought a pair of slickers because <laughs> I didn't want to ruin my boots. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the Association of Water Technologies. Of course, you and I care very much about that organization. I'm curious, how did you first get involved? So back in 2012, I heard about the convention that was coming up in Palm Springs. And at that time, I, I asked my boss, I said, hey, do you think I can go to AWT? And he's like, absolutely. So I got the opportunity to go and I knew right away that I was going to get involved. So I you know, went and sat in on a technical committee meeting and then I learned about the young professionals group and uh, got involved with that right away. Getting involved with AWT and realizing what it was and the stuff that I learned just from that very first time. I fell in love with the association and everything that it stood for and and everything that it was trying to do to help people in this industry. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of it. And I just stayed involved and did everything that I could to to keep myself um, involved and, and active in the association. I get asked all the time, Trace, you do a lot for the AWT. Why do you do all this stuff? Why are you training your competitors? Why are you giving all of this information out? I'm sure you get asked the same question. How do you answer that? Because I, I just, I believe so much in what we do and how important it is, both from a standpoint of, you know, what we do for the customer, how we support the customer in, in in helping them be efficient, helping them be stewards of the environment, helping them do all those kinds of things. And just the personal reward of being a part of a team. You know, there's nothing better than when you when you're in a water treatment account and you get into that to that situation where you actually become an extension of their team, even though you're not employed by the company and they ask you to be a part of everything. And it just that to me is just so rewarding and and why I do everything that I can to learn everything that I can about this industry so that I can continuously give back to my customers. And now in my position at Global Water, you know, me continuously learning more and teaching myself more and getting involved with the association, I'm able to give that back to the people that I work with and be able to help them be successful in this industry, which is, it's it's not an easy industry to be successful in. You really got to put the time into it. And Association of Water Technology helps with that big time. Yeah, I love that answer. You know, so many people join with the intention of what am I going to get from this? And I think if you join instantly, you're going to get a lot of benefits. You're going to get a lot of things that you can take back. But if you join any organization with the mindset of how can I contribute, how can I become a part of this, you will get back more than 10 times what you ever put in. And I just think about the people that are on my call list, that if I have any water treatment question, any mysteries that I've never come across before, I can call some of the water treatment Jedi in the industry. They will take my call and they will walk me through that. And the only reason that happened is because I decided to get involved and give to the AWT. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel the exact same way. I've, 
I've never had a question that I haven't been able to get answered. If I can't answer it myself, I can find somebody within AWT that will help me get to the solution. And it's that's one of the best parts about being a part of this. You mentioned you first started by joining a committee. How did you find out about a committee? And then how do others find out about committees and what should they know? I think before I went to my first association meeting, I just did a lot of research on the association, went to the website, found out what different things I could get involved with, you know, looked at the convention schedule, found out what was happening and where it was happening and, you know, what groups I would be interested in being a part of. And I just got, and I just did it. I just went and got involved and sat through the meetings and, you know, sat through my first technical meeting. I'm like, man, I really don't know anything about this industry because these people are so smart, you know, but I, but I stuck with it for a little while. And and then I got really involved with YP and realized that the direction of YP was to make sure that we, brought more people like me into the association and got them involved and had kind of a jumping off point for them to get involved with the association. And yeah, that's, it's really just about just doing your homework beforehand and deciding what you want to do. But I definitely, um, if you're struggling with that, with that question and in making that decision, the young professionals group is a great place to start because it will help you get to where you want to be in the, in, in the association. You mentioned the AWT website, that's awt.org, and there is a complete tab dedicated to committees that you can learn all about uh, what Matt just mentioned and more. You know, I love what you said. Somebody told me a long time ago that a smart person makes sure that they're the dumbest person in the room, (laughs) and that's not hard to do when you go to an AWT setting. It's absolutely not. But the thing is, is that if you sit through it and you listen, it's just like technical training. You sit through it and you listen and you learn a ton of stuff. You're not going to absorb it all, but you're going to get a foundation to be able to learn more about a lot of that stuff. But getting involved with AWT, um, for me, it was I was really interested in the technical side. So I kind of gravitated towards that. But um, you know, if you're interested in the business side, the business resources committee, the, you know, if you're interested in, in education, the education committee, the, you know, everything that you can be a part of, anything that, sh- that you're interested within the association or in this industry, there's something that you can help AWT out with. When you went to your first convention in Palm Springs back in 2012, did you go in with the mindset that I'm going to be president of this organization someday? <laughs> no. <laughs> So, yeah, that's funny that you asked that because I, I remember just thinking that there was just so much going on and I knew I wanted to get involved with this because I knew I loved this industry and I knew this was going to be a great place for me to get involved. But for me to think that I, I didn't know anybody on the board at that time, I believe you were on the board at that time. That was my, uh, I was immediate past president in 2012. So I remember you you speaking at the, at the, uh, in the rewards dinner and doing all that. Yeah. They threw Uh, me in the pool. Yeah. I was there for that. I remember people getting tossed in the pool to say, did I know I was going to be president? Absolutely not. Did I even know I was going to be on the board? No, I just knew that I wanted to get involved and be a part of this and very happy that I'm here, that I'm able to serve at this capacity. I'm definitely honored and humbled by it. Just thinking about all the people that, that have sat in the same position before me and to think that I'm here and that I was able to do it, I, you know, it's it's an, been an amazing experience. Um, but never in my wildest dreams uh, 10 years ago did I think that I'd be president of AWT. 
Well, walk us through what happened. You went to a convention. You started volunteering with the Young Professionals Group. How did you go from there to becoming president? Staying active in Young Professionals Group, continuously going to convention. I went to trainings when I when I was able to go, just getting involved and being a part of it and just essentially getting my name out there a little bit and just introducing myself to people, getting to know people, trying to make people aware that I was really interested in this association and that I that I wanted to be more involved and I wanted to do more with it. And I think what would eventually happen was is because of my involvement and the things that I was doing, the right people, I guess is the easiest way to say it, took notice. And that's how I got got nominated to be, you know, to be on the election for the board just to get onto the board. You know, and I'd make the comment too. I the first year that I was on the ballot, I didn't get it. And I remember that phone call and I was and I was so excited when when they called because I was like, oh my gosh, I think I might actually be on the board. And then they said, No, I'm sorry, you're not. But would you be interested in possibly doing it next year? And, and I thought, yeah, you know, next year I got the got a phone call and they said, we're, you're going to be on the ballot again. And I just thought that was great. Well, you and I share that in common. I did not get elected my first time I was on the ballot. It took two times for me as well. So I would definitely encourage people, if you do get on the ballot and you don't, you don't get it the first time, stick with it. I know we've already done the nominations, but a lot of people listening might not know that process. Explain to the Scaling Up Nation what the nominations process is like. Yeah, so the nominations process, there's a couple different ways you can be nominated. There's there's an online nomination so that if you're interested in being nominated and you you know somebody's going to nominate you, you can be nominated online and then you can be put on the ballot that way. Um the other way is just again just being involved and being recognized by others and you know people on the board as well. And when that nominations committee gets put together, there's a list of several several people on the list every single year. And basically that comes down to the board starts making phone calls and seeing who's interested in possibly serving. And once they find the people and the people that are interested, they the ballots put together and then, then it gets sent out. Yeah. As a business owner, I can think of so many things that being part of the AWT board helped me with ways to look at my business a little bit differently. Of course, they're a nonprofit, but there's just so much that carries over. Of it, It's just such a rewarding experience all around. Absolutely. And, and for me, I, I, I'm not a business owner. And I'm, I'm unique in a way that, that I don't own a business as, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the, uh, the member of AWT. I'm an individual member of AWT, but, you know, the, the company itself is, is a member of AWT. But again, it's just the ability to get involved and everything that I've done to get to this point, this just really helped me grow both personally and professionally within this organization. Matt, let me ask, what is the day in the life like for the AWT president? What do you do? That's a great question. And, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people ask me, what, what, do you, what is it like being the president of AWT and what do you do on a daily basis? And I think a lot of people think that being AWT president is kind of a catch-all for all the things that go on in AWT. And, you know, you're constantly getting phone calls about the issues of the association and you're dealing with um, putting out fires. And it's, it's nothing like that. 
you know, as president of AWT, you, you deal with the occasional issues and, and dealing with things with membership and, and other other things that go on behind the scenes of the association. But really, as president of AWT, the, my job is really just to be very positive about the direction of where we are going and what we are doing and you know making sure that the, that the association is constantly doing everything that it can to better our membership better the association better the industry that we all love and that we work in and doing things that we can to offer possibilities for our membership to continue to grow both personally and professionally in this industry and you know i've i've really worked hard as president to try to keep that mission going because i know everybody in front of me that has done this has has worked very hard to keep the association going the job of the president in my day-to-day as president is just to keep the message of awt positive moving forward constantly advancing the association doing everything that we can to keep the membership keep the membership happy keep uh, new members coming and constantly doing things to attract people to our association in our convention and everything that we do. I love that answer. I always looked at myself when I was president of the AWT as, as a conductor, and I needed to make sure that all the different instruments, all the different areas were heard and, and they all had their time to be heard. And I remember I used to keep a little notepad when I was in charge of of facilitating a meeting. And whenever we would have an issue, I would put a little tick mark by everybody's, I'd have a list of where they were sitting and I put a little tick mark by their name. And I would say, okay, well, somebody's weighed in an awful lot where somebody else didn't do that. My job is to make sure that voice is heard. And every time I did that, it was always so profound what that person said, but they weren't going to say it unless you called on them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I agree with that completely because the biggest part of being president of AWT is, is the meetings, the association meetings. So to say, like, what do you do day to day as the association president? You're always thinking about what you can do to better the association, but the real work happens in the board meeting. And those board meetings are so important and doing exactly what you just said. There's a reason why people were nominated to the board because those people, somebody wanted to hear their voice on the board and making sure that everybody is heard and making sure that everybody gets their point across. A board that all agrees is not a board that's going to accomplish a lot. You have to have disagreement to come to a good agreement. And without that disagreement, you don't weed out all of the issues, potential issues with what you're trying to accomplish. And one of the things about being president is like you said, you're, you're conducting that. I use the word director, but you're conducting that and making sure that all those voices are heard and that everything comes together and you have a good solid path forward. And the mission is, is sound and the mission is exactly what the association needs. I think our governing body can really learn a lot with how the AWT functions. <laughs> yeah, right. That's all I'll say about that. There's well, no political parties open. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, you mentioned that, but that was that was a, a really big rule that we had that when you walked into that boardroom, you were I was no longer the owner of Blackmore Enterprises. Right. I was now an AWT board member. 
And I remember specifically voting on some things that wasn't great for my particular company, but it helped the mass of AWT. So I had to vote for it. Yeah. Let's shift gears to AWT's technical training. By far, this is my two favorite things that I do every year is uh, present at the AWT technical training. You were recently at the Cleveland, Ohio technical training. What can you tell the Scaling Up Nation about it? So I've been to a few technical trainings. Cleveland was by far my favorite one that I've ever been to. And I think one that, one, I think Cleveland's a great place to go. Cleveland's a fun place. But aside from that, you know, this was a very well attended training and a lot of people there, a lot of interaction and a lot of really positive responses to it. One of the cool things for me was we were able to put the ASSE training in-person training together for this convent or this training seminar. And I actually sat through the ASSE and I, I just, I thought it was fantastic. So just the fact that, again, we, we continue to grow as an organization and continue to offer our membership more and more things that they can learn and get certified in and um, going through the ASSE and actually getting my certification just recently through, through taking that class, but going to that and just seeing all the people and, seeing all the interaction and all the positive comments that came out of it and, you know, getting to see a lot of friends that I don't get to see very often just because of, you know, we're all so far apart, but AWT brings us all together. Yeah. It was, it was a great training session. And like you said, it's, it's one of my favorite things that AWT does aside from convention and hopefully one day that I'll be able to be involved with (laughs) more with the training. So for those of you out there that don't know about the ASSE training, 12,080, I believe, is the the number on it. So if you're involved specifically with Legionella water management plans, this is the certification that ASSE came out with. And Matt, why did you decide that you wanted to get certified? My new position with Global Water, I'm more and more involved with water management plans and, you know, controlling and mitigating Legionella. So it was important to me to learn more about it and under, get a better understanding of, you know, the intricacies of actually putting together a water management plan and the importance of it, how absolutely important it is to do a water management plan correctly. The people that were training that class, I mean, you've got just an incredible amount of brain power in that room and everybody is so closely related to Legionella and water management and and everything that they do in their day-to-day lives and being able to bring it to AWT and do it in a class. It was just, it was really an amazing experience hearing all the different ways of doing things, all the different testing methods, all the different ways of writing a water management plan, everybody's experiences with writing water management plans, pitfalls of water management plans, and, you know, in Legionella in general, and being able to hear that from a multitude of people. It was, it was really cool. And I'm really glad that I did it. Matt, we've got a convention coming up in Vancouver. Tell us about that. Yeah. So we have a convention coming up in September in Vancouver, Canada, and how exciting that we are doing a convention out of country. I love saying out of countries. It just makes it a lot cooler than just saying Canada. No, no offense to my Canadian friends that might be listening to this. So we're doing it in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I'm excited to say that I, I believe I'm correct in saying this. I haven't had anybody correct me on it yet, but I'm the first president to host a convention out of country. 
which is pretty cool. So, which which was funny, Trace, because before you asked me, it, did I ever think that I'd ever be AWT president? When I got on the board, I started doing the math and I and I looked at where the conventions were going to be, and I thought, holy crap, if I actually become AWT president, I'm going to be the first president of you know, hosting one in Canada. So. Vancouver is just an absolutely gorgeous place. So many things to do in Vancouver. And, you know, it's definitely going to be a destination for a lot of people that, you know, take this opportunity to, uh, you know, not only go to AWT convention, but also use this as an opportunity to take vacation with their families and stuff. Vancouver is going to be an awesome place to do this. I'm so excited about it. Matt, I think we should address the fact that, you know, people are uncertain right now about how travel is. Of course, they just dropped the mask mandates as we're recording this podcast on airlines. People have to get tested still to come back in the country. So there's there, there's a lot of things going on. I, I want to alleviate some of those concerns and I want to talk about some of those concerns so people can make really good decisions about coming this year. What do you want to make sure the Scaling Up Nation knows? You know, it's we live in a crazy time, and you know, I'm not not telling anybody that doesn't already know that. And you know, as I'm the third president of AWT now that is dealing directly with COVID. Tom Brandvold a couple of years ago, his convention ended up being virtual, and you know, Mike Bourgeois last year, you know, his convention was the first one that was essentially done out of COVID, and now we're going into another country that has stricter COVID mandates uh, than the United States. So. Going to Canada is, it, it seems that every day things change just a little bit. You know, right now they're they're easing the, the restrictions, but, you know, you still have to have proof of vaccination to travel by air to Canada. But if you drive into Canada, you don't have to have proof, proof of vaccination. They've dropped their testing requirements, so you don't actually have to test to go into the country. I believe that's the same with flying right now. But um, coming out of the country... You know, the United States right now still has a testing mandate. You have to have a negative test within 72 hours of coming back into the country. And I know that's a concern. AWT is working closely with the company right now to make sure that we offer that testing at conventions so that people can do it. If that's something that is still in place when we hold conventions so that everybody can get their testing done and not have to worry about taking that test on their way back. We we were kind of joking about it the other day. If you were to drive to or fly to Seattle and drive to Vancouver, you don't have any issue, but if you fly to Vancouver, it might be a little bit more challenging as of right now. There's a vote that's going to happen with the general membership at that convention. Can you tell the nation a bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, in light of everything that's going on in Canada, understanding that there's some restrictions into getting into the country, all COVID related. We want to make sure that with the big vote that we have, which is Amplify AWT, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that at convention, we are going to make sure that we're actually live streaming the membership meeting. And with that live streaming, we're also going to we're also working on being able to have a vote that goes on, a virtual vote for those members that are not able to attend at Vancouver for whatever reason. And we just want to make sure that everybody understands that we are very dedicated to making sure that this meeting at this convention with the importance of it amplify AWT. Everybody that wants to be able to attend this meeting, either in person or virtually, has the ability to do. So with that being said, what is Amplify AWT? Amplify AWT is basically a, a way for us to guarantee 
that AWT continues to grow and flourish into the upcoming 10, 20 years from now. And what it is, is it's it's a membership restructuring. And what, what I say membership restructuring, what I'm talking about is actually the membership model that's currently in place for AWT members, which right now it is to be a member of AWT, your company cannot have more than 150 employees and it cannot have a revenue of more than $30 million. So the point of Amplify AWT is to change that to allow growth within the industry of, of certain companies, minimizing the companies becoming non-members or becoming sustaining members. And what it does is Amplify AWT actually changes the membership model from what I just mentioned to what the small business uh, commissioner, the SBC says, which is 500 employees or less. So following what the Small Business Association says of 500 employees or less, then we follow the original mandates of AWT, which the intention was is to keep it, keep the association to the small business owner within the industry. And allowing for this allows companies, as it's things change and companies continue to grow and we have mergers and acquisitions, allows people to continue to grow within the association, but still be a member of AWT and you know have the benefits of being a member. And the other part of Amplify AWT is that we are going to be voting on adding an individual membership. And the example for an individual membership would be a company that is not a member of AWT or a company that has doesn't have the ability to be a member of AWT. Now, as an individual member, you can actually become a member of AWT. But it's important to note that as an individual member, you won't be allowed to chair a committee and you won't have a vote, but you'll be able to you'll be able to realize all the other benefits of AWT, being a part of committees, task force, going to convention, you know, all, all the resources that AWT has as an individual member you'll have. So it's an idea and it's it's a pathway for us to continue to grow the association, to entice more people into the association through the individual membership, to continue to make the association the voice of the global water treatment industry, which is what our, you know, that, that's what our goal is. And the goal of Amplify AWT is to continue that and to, to make sure that AWT has the ability to continue to grow and, and become larger and have the ability to, to help more people and be a resource for many more. Matt, if you could only get one message across from this interview today, what do you want it to be? We want to talk about AWT, everything that AWT is doing, but we want to talk about you know convention in Vancouver. I want to make sure that everybody understands that that despite the fact that we're doing this in Canada and you know, COVID's going on. We're, the association is doing everything that we can to make sure that we can get everybody involved as much as we can with the association. Amplify AWT to me is just um, is so important and you know something that that I truly believe in. And I want to make sure that if people are out there that don't understand what Amplify AWT is, that they ask and make sure that they understand it. So that before um, convention comes in September in Vancouver, that people know that that vote is coming and understanding what that vote is for so that they can make a, you know, a, a uh, informed decision on which way they're going to vote on it. And there is a page on the website that they can go to answer or even start to ask some of those questions. Yes, absolutely. And if they do have questions after they read that, what should they do then? 
I would say reach out to me directly, reach out to anybody within the association, anybody on the board, you know, anybody that's, that's involved with the task force or that was involved with the task force, but definitely reach out to anybody within the board and we can answer any questions that you have on the Amplify AWT and, and the importance of it and what it is and what we're trying to accomplish. Matt, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's go into the lightning round. So these are questions that I ask of all of my guests. If you can go back in time and talk to your former self on your first day as a water treatment professional, what advice would you give? I would say that like my biggest thing when I started in water treatment was the sales side of it was tough trying to have those technical conversations with people and getting anxious about sitting down and having those conversations. And I guess the the thing that I would tell myself going back, I would say relax and have fun because if you're not having fun, it's going to shine right through and people are going to know that you're anxious and nervous. And uh, this is such a great industry and it's so much fun to be a part of it. And if you don't know the answer, tell them you don't know the answer. So many people are scared to tell a customer they don't know, but it's so much more valuable when you find out and get back with them. Matt, what are some of the books that you read? (laughs) Well, Trace, as a mastermind member, (laughs) the last three books that I've read that I've really enjoyed, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I think is an awesome book. 12-week year is something that I'm actually reading right now because I missed it, which I think is a fantastic book. Actually, kind of reading a book called Day of Deceit right now, which is about the uh, Pearl Harbor and things that might have gone on during that time that that people didn't really know about, which I thought it's a very interesting book. And another book that I read, if you like the Bill O'Reilly books, I just read Killing Jesus, which was an amazing book. Gives a totally different perspective on everything that was going on then. Who plays Matt Jensen when they make a movie about your life? Well, since no one would believe that The Rock is me, I'm going to say Vince Vaughn. Last question. If you had the ability to talk to anybody throughout history, who would it be with and why? So it's funny because my answer to this question, when anybody ever asked me, this is always Abraham Lincoln. And the reason why it's kind of a cliche, like, like, of course, you'd want to meet Abraham Lincoln. But my grandfather was a huge Abraham Lincoln fan. And my dad had a very good friend that actually had a letter written by Abraham Lincoln hanging up on his wall in his family room. When I was a kid, I loved reading it and seeing his his handwriting. So I've always been fascinated by him. And in college, I had actually had to write an essay on Abraham Lincoln. And I'm so fascinated by him because of what he did, where he came from, what he became, everything that he had to deal with, you know, overcoming all the adversity that he had and his work ethic to accomplish the goals that he had. And, you know, he was just an absolutely amazing order. And I think that, you know, being a president in a time of such a, such a turning point in our history, I just think it would be just absolutely amazing to be able to sit down and talk with him. Well, it's been amazing to sit down and talk with you. I want to thank you for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Thank you, Trace. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Like I said before we were talking, I honestly never thought I'd get a chance to do this. So I'm very honored to have it. And uh, Mark Lewis, I'm coming after you as the uh, most requested podcast guy. Just keep There you go. The challenge has been laid down. (laughs) Scout Nation, I have really enjoyed getting to know Matt. He has 
just been a great guy. I met him several years ago when he got elected to the board of directors for AWT. And every time we get together, I just have a better appreciation for him. He's a mastermind member, and we do all sorts of things in the mastermind to try to help each other and make sure people are getting where they need to get to, maybe even push them a little bit further than they will get on their own. But he has just been amazing. And if you don't know Matt, by all means, reach out to him and get to know him, especially at the convention. There's so much stuff that goes on at the convention and uh, getting to know the people that put that organization together each and every day and also that conference is something that I urge you to do because you will learn something that you did not know about that conference if you have that conversation. So many people, they'll see Matt or somebody that is the head of an organization and they'll think, I could never do that. And Nation, I want you to know that that is not a valid thought. And I also want you to think of where you're measuring whatever it is that you're trying to do. So Matt is now president of that organization. He did not start out that way. He started out volunteering. He probably started out just joining and trying to figure out what the heck it was that he joined. And then he started getting involved. And then through getting involved, through working on various projects, he then rose to the board of directors, and now he's president of the Association of Water Technologies. Now, maybe that's something that you have on one of your goals. That is not a goal that you are going to start off with in the immediacy. What your goal should be is learning about whatever organization it is that you want to be involved in and how can you contribute. Don't think that there's not enough work to go around for you to contribute. I promise you there is a ton of stuff that any organization out there needs help with. And don't feel that you have to be an expert on whatever it is that they are working on to be able to help. There are so many tasks that go into producing content for associations like this. I promise you will be able to help. That's how you'll get to know people. You'll get to know people. You'll become friends with people within that organization. And I personally think that is the reason you should get involved. And then people start to trust that you're going to get completed the things that you say you're going to get completed. And that will lead to people believing that you can lead in other aspects. Maybe it's a committee. Maybe it is the board of directors. So if that's something you want to do, just remember, we don't start out there. It's all the little pieces that allow us to achieve what we're trying to achieve. I can't help but thinking of Michael Phelps as I'm speaking of this. We all look at Michael Phelps as an Olympic champion, but he did not start off as an Olympic champion. He started off wanting to be a great swimmer, and he did things that others were not willing to do. He was in the pool 365 days a year. He snuck in the window to get into the pool when he couldn't get in the open door because it was locked. He did all of these things, and now we measure him today by his final action. But all of that, keep in mind that we all start somewhere, and it's the persistence, and it's doing all the things that we want to do to get to where we want to get to. 
All right, all of that, something that James McDonald helps us do each and every week is think a little bit harder on this incredible job, which is industrial water treatment. So here is a brand new Thinking on Water with James. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about nitrite levels dropping in a closed loop. What could cause nitrite to drop? If caused by a water leak, what other water quality parameters may or may not drop at the same time in the closed loop? Is there a makeup meter present? Does it show any makeup used? Can the meter detect low usage rates? Have any repairs been done on the system lately? What about microbiological activity? How may it impact nitrite levels? What microbiological test might you run to help determine this? Take this week to think about dropping nitrite levels in closed systems and possible causes. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. James, thanks again for that. Nation, thank you for listening to another episode of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Of course, I will have a brand new episode for you next week. I hope you can wait until then. I can't wait to bring it to you, and I hope you have a great week. Nation, the mastermind is wildly successful, and the only thing missing is you. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this is the group that you have been waiting for and the group that can push you to your next level of success.